Today on CityCast Boise, the Idaho legislature accidentally eliminated the state's presidential primary election. So what happens now? Clark Corbin from the Idaho Capital Sun is here to give us a breakdown on how a proposed caucus could disenfranchise Boise voters and how the so-called big tent days of the Idaho Republican Party could be a thing of the past. It's Monday, August 21st. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Clark. Welcome back to CityCast Boise. Hey, Emma. So good to talk to you. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, I want to start by asking you, Why this story? What inspired you to write about the Idaho Republicans' concerns over the presidential caucus? Well, so I mean, like, this is kind of the world that I'm in, writing about, like, the messier elements of government and politics. But the reason I picked this one is because I think it's one of those, like, insider things that not a lot of people know about right now, but is going to end up being a big deal. and It's going to end up affecting a lot of people and how they're able to help pick uh, their party's presidential nominee. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned not a ton of people know about this. And I, I want to give listeners who maybe aren't playing, paying super attention, because maybe if you're not a Republican, you aren't. Uh, right. and it feels like it's not going to affect you. But give give us some backstory on this saga here, because it's pretty wild. I've never heard of this occurring in another state. Like, the Idaho legislature seems to have accidentally eliminated the state's presidential primary election, right? What happened? Yeah, that, that's sure what it seems like. And so what we're talking about is just the presidential primary elections. Uh, But there was this bill uh, earlier during this year's legislative session uh, that Phil McGrain, the Secretary of State, brought, and he said the whole idea of the bill was to consolidate elections. That's been a big theme with Republicans the last several years, uh, but they're trying to reduce the number of elections. We have been doing, lately, we've been doing presidential primary elections in March. Both parties did them in March. And so what this was going to do was get rid of the March presidential primary election and move it back to May, which is another election day for the state of Idaho. And what he said was it's going to save about $2.7 million every four years when the presidential election comes up. And what happened was it got rid of the March part, but it didn't move it to May. And so it just eliminated the presidential primary election. So I don't think anybody realized that there was a problem until this first bill passed the House. And then all of a sudden, alarm bills started going off and they came out with a proposed fix. They call this a a trailer bill. I mentioned it in my article at the Idaho Capital Sun, but you can think of it as like a trailer behind a vehicle. It comes afterwards. It comes next. And so this trailer bill was designed to kind of come in and actually do the part of moving it to May. Uh, But Dorothy Moon, the chairwoman of the Idaho Republican Party, came uh, to the committee meeting where it was up in the House State Affairs Committee meeting. She spoke out against it. And then the bill died. In your article, I do want to say I felt like there was almost a little snark uh, from the governor there. Uh, I noticed uh, Representative Frank Crane said he immediately suggested that Little veto the bill since it would not have the March presidential primary election anymore because the trailer bill died. Instead, Little signed it into law. And then um, when people were kind of saying like, oh, no, what do we do? Little said, hey, 
call yourselves back into session. You guys made it so you can do that if you want. Do you feel like there's a little snark there? Like, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it almost seems a little bit like, hey, this isn't my problem, guys. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's another layer to this is in last year's election, Idaho voters actually approved this measure that's, that lets the legislature call itself back into session. Uh, so before that, only the governor could call a special session. But yeah, there's all these different layers to it. But the legislature, they could have fixed this with the trailer bill while we were still in session. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was sort of, it happened by accident. This was never discussed when the bill was presented, when the first one was presented that, oh yeah, we're actually gonna get rid of the primary entirely. That was never discussed. And so, yeah, they kind of backed into it and, and, and sort of messed it up. And then, so like you said, the governor signed it. The trailer bill failed after Dorothy Moon from the Idaho Republican Party came out and spoke against it. She didn't like it going to May. She wants it in March. But it's also true that if we push it back to May, sometimes the nominee is decided by then. That's getting pretty close to when the conventions are going to be. So we could have this scenario where you push it back to May, but everybody already knows who the nominee is because they've clinched it. And then Idahoans go out and vote. And then so fast forward to this Republican summer meeting that took place mm -hmm. out in Chalice, out in June. And that's when the Republican Party voted to go with a caucus, but the language is kind of weird. They're going to go with the caucus if the legislature doesn't restore the primary. So we're like seven months out, Emma, and we still don't really know what's going to happen with uh, the presidential primary or the presidential caucus. Like wh the way it is right now, we're going to go ahead and do the caucus if the legislature doesn't intervene. And one of the big concerns is that turnout is going to be a lot less when we go to this caucus. Why would that be? So you mentioned that in your article that, like, there's a lot of worries about uh, reduced voter turnout. But why is that a concern? Um, because the caucus, you have to go in person to a set location at a set time. And it might take hours. And it's looking like it's going to be a Saturday night in early March. And these things could take hours with a caucus You've got speeches and you've got people trying to convince people and, and, and there's multiple rounds of voting and you've got representatives of the candidates there trying to trying to get people's support and, and people move in groups and they might vote with throwing coins in a bucket and there's all these different rounds. And so uh, I talked to people, Idaho has had a caucus, both the Republicans and Democrats have had caucuses. The Republicans last did it. I, I have been to one. I have been to one. And it was... <laughs> a lot of people remember the 2016 yeah. Democratic caucus in Boise that took hours, uh, that people were waiting in line outside of for hours to even get into. You know, yeah. like, yeah. And you basically had to be like, I'm willing to be here for seven hours yeah. to be a part of this process. Like, not a super accessible uh, way to do things, especially when you're talking about you can vote absentee, you can vote early, like there's all these other ways to do to do that election. You also mentioned um, in the article how the presidential caucus might divide the Idaho Republican Party. How yeah. would it do that? Because if people get frustrated and upset and then don't participate. And so, yeah, the, the concern is that it could reduce the influence that the Republican Party has. It could divide people. People don't think it's a fun experience. People don't go out and participate. The numbers are down. It kind of alienates people. Now we have this caucus 
And we don't know where the caucus locations are going to be. And so they're probably not going to be as convenient as like the, the neighborhood or church in your school where you're used to going uh, to vote during elections. We don't know if they'll do it by county yet or legislative district. So there's a possibility that in Boise and Ada County, we may just have one giant caucus site. That would be an option. Or they could split it up by legislative district. Yeah, you mentioned this divide in the Republican, Idaho Republican Party. And I want to dig a little deeper into that because we're continuing to see this among Idaho Republicans. And I'm wondering, do you think the urban versus rural divide is at play at all here? Like we see it so often in Idaho politics, even within this sort of super majority, like Boise and the Treasure Valley against the rest of the state. I, I think there's always going to be some friction. I also think that there's just sort of this war within the Republican Party. Some of the folks that I talked to for my stories talked about how they feel like over the last 10 years in particular, there have been libertarians and John Birch Society members coming in and kind of taking control of county level and precinct level positions within the Republican Party and then building up influence that way. And the John Birch Society is like the old school uh, far right. And so they've come into the Republican Party, started taking over precinct and county level positions. And then now they have all this influence at the state level and were able to elect Dorothy Moon at last year's Republican convention. And then sort of this far right influence that's been growing and growing and, and coming into the Republican Party. People I talk to feel like last summer's Republican convention and then this summer's GOP meeting were sort of a wake-up call, uh, that things are kind of night and day different than that what they're used to. Uh, they've talked about purging the party. And so some people I'm talking to are saying there's extremism that wasn't there before in the way that it is now, and there's a meanness but you're right, for people that have been here and paying attention and watching, uh, this has been happening to some extent or another uh, for years and years and years. Uh, but people think like there's a flashpoint now in terms of purging people, in terms of personal attacks. It is interesting, you know, as somebody who has been here for most of my life, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the Tea Party and people were warning Idaho Republicans, hey, you are you know, making space for this group in your party, and it's going to come by, back and bite you on the ass. And I'll tell you, it hasn't been as fun as I thought it would be <laughs> watching it come back and bite them on the ass. Uh, it's actually been a lot more scary and horrible than I think. I think everybody sort of saw this coming 10 years ago and tried to warn Idaho Republican leaders and said, hey, if you make room for this, it's just going to build and build. I want to ask you, how would Boise Republicans specifically be affected by this change to the caucus system? You mentioned like what if Boise has one big caucus instead of by by district, we would definitely be the largest amount of like the largest caucus. It would take the most amount of time. And it makes me think of um, Tracy Wasden said in your article that even in Canyon County, the caucus they did in 2012 lasted between seven and eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't that's have Canyon all... County. <laughs> that's Canyon County. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think they just had one caucus site. And I think that was a big mm -hmm. problem. But we don't know a lot of the details about how the caucus is going to work. We don't know what the caucus sites um, are going to be. And so that would be how it would affect Boise voters, Ada County voters would be, where is this caucus going to be? And then it's kind of this unexpected thing that the county party is going to have to plan 
and pay for this thing. And when you talk about reserving large venues, it, it's going to be expensive, but we really don't know 100%, 100% for sure that we're having this caucus in case the legislature restores the primary, but they need to be ready for it. And so how it's going to affect people in Ada County is how convenient it's going to be, what the locations is going to, are going to be, whether there's more than one, also how the votes are recorded. You know, as you know, the Republican Party is making a ton of noise about election security and, and are making a lot of unfounded claims about how elections are not secure uh, in the state of Idaho. And that's total baloney. This caucus could be complicated when we talk about tallying votes from multiple different caucus sites throughout the state and getting that right. And so that could be another challenge just logistically. And I just think there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Is there going to be room for everybody? Is there going to be parking? Are regular folks going to be able to participate and feel like they're, they're welcome? Is it going to go for hours and hours and hours? Is it going to be confusing? Is there yeah. going to be a clear winner? It feels and it feels like specifically Boise and Ada County voter Republicans could get screwed here because like, yeah, of course, Dorothy Moon is like, let's have a caucus up in Chalice. I'm from up there. So what? You're going to have, you know, 400 people at this thing. Whereas, yeah, it sounds like Boise Republicans could get could get pretty screwed here. Um, you mentioned the purge, too. Let's talk about that. Like, have any Boise Republican leaders spoken up about this change or the purge that you, that you talked about in your second article? Well, I, I think Tracy Wasden from Canyon County uh, really felt like she was betrayed at the summer meeting. She's been involved with the Republican Party, she told me, since age 12, since she was a little girl. Uh, she was interested in a Republican, and she's been like president of the Canyon County Republican Women. She's worked on a presidential campaign. She's organized fundraisers. And so what happened was at this Republican summer meeting, the people in charge under current chair Dorothy Moon took away the voting rights of three or four different groups, including the Federation of Republican Women, the College Republicans, and the Young Republicans. And that alienated a lot of people. They're saying, we've been with you. We've been supporting you. We've been working hard for this party. We thought we were on the same team. And now you took away our, our vote, which is like taking away our voice. Now we don't have that influence and it feels like an absolute you know, slap in the face or punch in the gut or whatever. This is another example of the Republican Party purging people that don't agree with them. If you don't agree with me, you're out. I'm going to push you out. You're going to lose your influence. And quite a few on that list of, you know, people who representatives and stuff who got censored, quite a few Ada County and Canyon County uh, yep. reps and, and senators in there. Like it yeah. seemed to me like quite a few in there. And it makes me think of how, you know, your article touches on this, this concept of, you know, the big tent Republican Party in Idaho, which I almost I think maybe maybe a thing of the past, you know, given Boise and the Treasure Valley's more diverse demographics, you know, uh, like you said, younger people and women seem to be getting purged, uh, maybe because they're a little more progressive within the party. Do you think this lack of inclusivity might affect the party's appeal long term and engagement with voters here in general? Yeah. So the big concern with some of the folks that I've been talking about, their worry is that it could really hurt the party 
uh, and that something could happen like has happened in Arizona or has happened to, in Kansas, where once reliable, solid conservative states have started electing Democratic governors or sending Democratic representatives to Congress. It seems funny to me that Dorothy Moon's response to these worries that have been being voiced. I mean, this is, these worries have been being voiced for like five years now, maybe even longer. Dorothy Moon's response is to purge harder. Right. Purge, purge more, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and she's saying, I didn't get to talk to her, um, but she responded uh, with written statements rather mm -hmm. than doing an interview. And she denies that. She said the party, there's always been friction. She thinks that they're united uh, as strong as they've ever been. One of the examples that she gave was these things that I've been talking about all passed comfortably at the summer, or at the summer meeting in, in, in June. But the big concern, like big picture wise, is that this could drive people from the party and that this could open up room for, for, for someone else. That eventually, you know, maybe Idaho, rather than being so conservative, could be purple or occasionally elect Democrats. I mean, it's happened before. We've had, you know, a Democrat governor, Cecil Andrus, obviously. Like, it's definitely happened before. One of the most popular governors yeah, in the state of absolutely. Idaho. I think he served four terms altogether. One of the most popular and, and beloved governors uh, who fought like hell to get kindergarten and early childhood education started and rolling in Idaho. And I think that's a lasting part of his legacy. But it's really been since that 1990 election. And so we're talking a long time that the Republicans have dominated yeah. uh, with their supermajority. So on the one hand, it's hard to see that changing. But people within the party are very concerned uh, that... If this isn't toned down, that if this isn't brought under control, uh, that people are going to be pushed from the party, you know, if people get alienated by the more extreme policies uh, being pushed in the name of the Republican Party. So that's the big picture concern. And it seems like, I mean, what's happening on a state level really could affect Boise Republicans' ability to win local elections, partly just because people are kind of sick of it. And maybe they aren't, you know, um, like really locked in and paying attention to local Republican candidates and stuff because they're disgusted with this purging, they're disgusted with the infighting, and maybe they're tired of, and, and then when the caucus comes around, they're like, I don't need any part of that, you know? So it seems like it, this could have like kind of a ripple effect for other local elections. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think it's going to take a lot of organization and a lot of effort. It's going to take getting people registered to vote uh, and paying attention to the issues. I thought potentially there was an opportunity in 2022, but dozens of legislative races were uncontested where you had these incumbents that were just able to uh, leave the session one year and come right back the next year without, without uh, any kind of competition. And so it's going to take the public being engaged. It's going to take people organizing. It's going to take an awareness outside of just the North End and the bench and and uh, and Garden City. It's it's going to take um, a lot of effort, but uh, I do think that potentially uh, there is that opening. The next big election in Idaho is next year. All the legislative seats are up. I think with some awareness and some candidate development and some organization and people paying attention more and more, young people getting involved. I I think that there could be uh, there could be changes for sure. All right, Clark, what's next for this caucus then? So if they don't 
reconvene, if they don't do something in the fall, this is happening, right? Yeah, if, if the legislature doesn't reconvene, doesn't do something by October 1st, I think is really the date we're looking at, then we're doing the caucus. And so uh, one thing I'll be looking for in the next, you know, two months really is, is the legislature going to call that special session? I don't know that the governor's going to bail them out and call it for them. So I think the legislature would have to do it. And then watching how the counties organize these caucuses. Where are the caucus sites going to be? How many are there going to be? What are the accommodations like? Those are some of the things I'm going to be watching. Well, I really highly encourage our listeners to go check out both of your articles on Idaho Capital Sun. And as usual, Clark, incredible work. And we appreciate you coming on and giving us such a deep dive on all this because it's really fascinating. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, check out our website for online guides to the Treasure Valley. We'll be back tomorrow morning with a guide to finding a great vet for your furry best friends. Bye.